0: Um, Todd, so do you think it's fair that every generation in some way gets called entitled? Uh, do I think it's fair? Um. Justified. Like, do you think? No,
1: no, no. I, I have arguments with my friends about this all the time.
0: Yeah, me too. And it's interesting because- this,
1: These kids these days, they're entitled. Right. All that crap.
0: You and I used to do shows a long time ago about how every generation, like we had like newspapers from like the 20s, yeah, and it said that uh, the next generation was entitled. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to talk about, yet at the same time, there are th- some things that we can do as far as talking with our kids and being connected with our kids to decrease that entitlement that actually ends up harming them or other people.
1: Let's talk about it. Okay. Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd, yeah, and this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number seven hundred and thirty-five. That's all three odd numbers, sweetie. Just mm-hmm. so you know, and I it's think three odd. prime numbers: seven, three, and five. Yeah. I don't. Just so the, you know, the
0: prime thing I don't care about.
1: Yeah, yeah, you don't like math. Well, well, if it wasn't for math, we wouldn't have any buildings, sweetie. I think
0: it's st- a strong statement I'm not going to stand
1: say. here and let you badmouth the United States of America, for I, goodness it's sakes. It's not that I don't like math. It's
0: that um, I just don't care so much that we're on
1: that number. Do um, It was my understanding that there'd be no math. There'd
0: be no math. How about that SNL skit from last week with um, Nate? Nate? Yeah. That was good. About the... <laughs> what our country wants to focus on as firms as far as weights yeah. and measures. Yeah. It's, if you haven't seen it, I think Todd should link to it below because it's really funny as far as the truth about the craziness of the weights and measures that we use in our country yeah. compared to other countries.
1: It was my understanding that there would be no math. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny.
0: That was the um, that was the other one though. Yeah, I know. You were behind on well, our pop yeah, culture references. I know, sweetie. I'm
1: trying to be quick. I know you're trying to you're, keep you're up. You're pivoting quickly. I know. I'm sorry. Um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well being is a parent's self understanding. Two thank yous. I want to thank Emily from Madison and Miranda from Ontario, Canada, for joining the circle. The Team circle. Zen. Circle is the Teams Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting collection. Plus live talks all in one place. Uh, We have these micro communities and finance, raising healthy sons, differently wired families, and Kathy's exclusive women's group. It's 25 bucks, cancel at any time. But I will say that we have a promo going right now that I totally forgot about. What? That everybody uh, who signs up for the in-person conference Uh gets a free month. That's right. So if you end up... uh, Coming to the conference and registering, you get a free month of Team Zen.
0: So if you register, you get a free month of Team Zen. Correct. Because you don't have to come to the conference to get it. No. You just have to register for the
1: conference. So, and we're going to say more about uh, Team Zen in a you, know, you
0: said parenting collection. I yeah. think I like the word content better. Zen... Can we change? Can we do some
1: Maybe I correction? misread it. As it's written on my paper, Zen, perio, Zen Parenting rate is Complete Parenting Content Collection. Yeah. Just content. Oh, so get rid of collection. There, well, you wrote this, sweetie. Did I? Well, I'm, see, I'm, Shame on I'm you. doing some editing in real time. Um, so real quick, sometimes we like to do this tournament of bad. I don't know if I want to call this tournament of bad, but I'm going to anyways, even though it did not really of bad. qualify. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Um, this is actually tournament of good because, sweetie, figured it out. <laughs> you hacked the system. Jeez. For the well, last, it's
0: only been three days.
1: For the fat, last few years, uh, Kathy refuses to wear... Progressive lenses, which I wear, because that means I can. We're both. I guess we're both farsighted.
0: We're are re, we. need reading glasses. We need
1: reading, which means we're farsighted, right? And uh, I have progressive, so I can wear my glasses and look uh, driving down the road, and then I can look down at my phone, and it will magnify for me. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. But your brain and a lot of other people's brains has a hard time adjusting to the progressive lenses, correct? Which I understand. So instead, sweetie says. Um, two or three times a day, where are my glasses? <laughs> and then you get very frustrated with yourself when you don't have the glasses.
0: Well, so two different things. Yeah, okay. The girls will be like, Mom, look at this. Yeah. And I'll be like, wait, I got to get my glasses so I can see it, which everybody thinks is annoying, funny but annoying because they have to like stand there and wait for me to get them. The other thing is is when Todd and I go out to eat and then I go into my bag or the car and I realize I don't have glasses to eat. And yep. I don't know – some, Todd's always like you don't need them, or he'll be like use mine, and I'm like no. If I'm gonna read a menu and I'm gonna eat food, I have to be
1: able to see. Yeah, I forget what you want You do want to. You do want to see your food, right. With precision,
0: and I don't want to be like struggling through the whole thing. Yeah. Like, and I don't wear my glasses That's the thing is I'm wearing them right now because I'm looking at a screen. Yeah. Um, but I don't wear them all the time, and I don't want to wear them all the time, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want it.
1: So, <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of people that are like you that get frustrated no. and what was your huge solution that you created
0: well it's not such a huge solution. oh it's big
1: everybody buckle up ready I've been, for this
0: one i've been using like a a bag what like one of those like um fanny packs it's, i don't like that word fanny pack like a body bag or whatever no body
1: bag is not i ready. think body bag would probably <laughs> not be the okay thing.
0: fanny pack whatever and i've been using that for like the past six months or so and it's one that JC bought me that I love and I, you know, I like it. And then, but I realized there's really not enough room in it for things. Okay? And so Get what's this?
1: I could hear it. I know we got to do it again though.
0: Recently, <laughs> oh, you all found one. out I'd never Sorry. seen the karate.
1: I think that was an ad
0: lib. It was. Line. They put it in later. Oh, did they? Yeah. So they had already filmed it and then they filmed him okay. saying it. That's why it's in the background. Yeah. So sweetie does not wear a body bag. I do, No, it's like a fanny pack, whatever. But it, I realized it was small, that I was couldn't fit everything in there, which I even bought a smaller wallet. Like I was like, let me just, you know, downsize a little bit. But so anyway, I found this purse. I, I stopped using a purse- do you really – this is all like not that interesting. But I used to have a purse that I really liked and it was like a bag. But then my wallet was stolen out of it. And so I was like, okay, not going to do – that. it was hanging on the back of my I chair feel at like Starbucks. I feel like
1: I can compress the story pretty easily for you. <laughs> okay. Oh, my My headphones just went out. Oh, no. Did yours? Hold on.
0: Oh, that's better. I can hear much better now. Here we go.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> we just
0: like bang. <laughs> the way I fix
1: it, I just like bang the <laughs> microphone thing. Um, you're like, I have this new system. And I'm like, great, what is it? You're like – I. I wear a purse.
0: Now I got a purse, so that. And went, I that was p- just
1: like, "Okay, <laughs> you couldn't think of that one before." Well,
0: here's the thing: it's very hard to find a purse. You don't have to deal with this, correct? So you can throw your slings and arrows, but you My don't wear a purse. Yes, there is. There are bags and purses that have so much room in them that you lose everything. Then there's bags and purses that are so small you can't fit everything, and so it's very hard to find a purse that like satisfies all your needs, and you can still find everything. I happen to find a bag that has the middle zipper, and then has two zippers on the outside, so I can put keys on one outside zipper, my phone on another outside zipper, and and everything else on the inside. So now I have a pair of sunglasses and two pairs of readers in there, and I feel like the last three days I've been a. Better person.
1: Um, I just want to give you applause Thanks, for honey. hacking the system. I hacked it. Well it was, done. Steve. It was hard. All right, here we go. Um, so the way Kathy and I prepped for today's show is, I said, "What do you want to talk about?" And she said, "Entitlement," because you just did a presentation yeah, on entitlement last week. So literally, I went to my computer. I did a few. Oh, did, did you
0: a, do an AI search?
1: Just. Chill, Will. Okay. Don't be so entitled.
0: I, I know, but just, when just you do AI searches, so it's so general. It's like so like... You're general. Well, I'm not. Yeah, you're general. I'm not.
1: Yeah. I'm not. Um, and then Kathy has her... Now, first of all, Kathy's notes to her presentation are hilarious because it's like <laughs> four words. And then she just starts talking, kind of like what we do here. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I am I want to start just to, by defining what entitlement means. Are you okay with that, sure, sweetie? Sure, go ahead. It's the belief or the perception that one is inherently deserving of certain privileges benefits or rights without necessarily having to earn them you buy that right.
0: yeah yeah I think that They're sounds pretty good right
1: there It often involves a self, of self a sense of self-importance or an expectation of preferential treatment yeah that's a pretty good baseline and I will just share my experience with entitlement is it's one of the least attractive uh, human behaviors traits? traits that are there now I also will own my own entitlement correct. Um, and I think the best way to to be less annoyed with people about their entitlements is for me to own my own. Sure. So one very easy example I'll give is sometimes when I'm on the road, I will, um, everybody's kind of waiting dutifully in line mm-hmm. and I'll kind of go around them. Correct. Would you say that that's a sense of entitlement? Yes. I
0: think you have road entitlement. Okay. And I pointed out to you a lot because yes. I don't know why you think you should be able to get there faster than everybody else.
1: Right. Yes. So I just want to own, and that's one very small, simple example, and then I'll throw my dad under the bus here for a second. Yes. My dad um, was a police officer, and he would use his badge... To get into places. To get into places. Like, I got into Super Bowl sixteen, the 49ers against the Bengals, um, somehow with the Michigan Marching Band, and I still don't know how he did that. And we <laughs> sat on the stairs. So my dad, like, maneuvered his way with his badge into Super Bowl sixteen to... Um, for me and my brother to go watch the Super Bowl in the Pontiac Silverdome.
0: Well, and I think that's like an important point is that I think sometimes we – this is the conversation that we had last week at this presentation that I did because it ended up being more of a discussion than me lecturing. We just talked about things. And I think that we forget the kind of our own entitlement, and then we get – there's like a projection onto our kids of like if they show any of those traits – then we get more mad at them mm-hmm. or more frustrated or more uncomfortable with them because maybe we're not recognizing our own. Yeah, And I mean, we could go really ground-level entitlements living in this country, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but, you know, there's countries right now at war. There are places where girls don't get are not educated. There are places where, you know, it's under a certain kind of dictatorship or rule where you don't have freedoms. So when I'm saying... Now, I know entitlement is, um, I, I know that's not the exact same thing. Those are privileges and those are, um, you know, that's our country. Like, well, it's hard, that's hard not we, to be
1: entitled without privilege, right?
0: Yeah, and, and this similar? it gets messy yeah. in here. I think that, you know, then we start to have to redefine all these words. But I think what I'm saying is just the recognition of what we have and then sometimes being frustrated about this line of cars should be moving faster because I need to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really helpful to go back to that space of the fact that I can drive a car, have a car, be safe on this road. I mean, I know everybody, you know, it's cars, but we're not we're not worried about what a lot of people in the world are worried about right now as far as bombings and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and to... To have that sense it, – it's not about walking around feeling – we talked a lot about shame. It's not about walking around feeling ashamed or guilty.
1: Would, is, would you say shame is the opposite of entitlement?
0: No. Um, I think the opposite of entitlement is awareness and consciousness, like of where you are okay. and what you have. Because shame is not – you don't want to feel shame like I. W- because if someone's like, well, I don't want to be entitled, what should I be? I don't want you to feel ashamed because mm-hmm. shamed is like, it's like a bunch of rocks that take you down to the bottom of the ocean. You can't do much with shame.
1: Yeah. I think it depends on what lens we're looking at it through. I'm thinking okay. of Terry Reel's little relationship group. And at the oh, top, okay. it's grandiosity, which I think falls in line with entitlement. With entitlement yeah. And then the the below is shame where you're just beating yourself up and you don't deserve anything and, and all that whereas what you're saying is it's the, the
0: middle ground yeah, right
1: yeah is let's find that middle ground and yeah. the middle ground is awareness of like understanding somebody else's needs yeah. instead of just thinking about my own it's
0: almost like this this place of uh, compassion for yourself and other people. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. I and I say yourself and other people because if you're overly empathetic or compassionate to others, then you tend to forget about yourself mm-hmm. and you can get into codependency. <laughs> and if you are focused solely on yourself, then you do things that are do not benefit your village or your community or your family or your whole. You just focus on you. So I think it's that place in between that we're going for. And that, you know, just in a very simple way, um, you know, a sim- a way to simplify this as far as with parents is this is a really big role modeling thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause we can talk a lot about entitlement and we can make a f- our kids feel bad about it and we can say, or, and we can talk to each other about, oh, this generation is so entitled, but w- we have to be really clear about what we're not only showing in our own lives, how we're showing up, but also about what we talk about in our home. Mm-hmm. And I really, I I don't know if you want to switch gears from that yet because I want to go deeper into it. Is there anything you wanted to say Um, more about
1: that? Well, um, here's what I want to do real quick. Okay, I came up with a few examples uh, so that people can get their arms around of entitlement. some of it's pop culturing, some of it's personal. Okay, first one is the the college scandal where the Hollywood people were helping their kids cheat on the SATs, ACTs. Yeah, I assume that would be a good example of entitlement, pop culture entitlement. Okay.
0: It would. And just to add, just to like throw something in there to kind of shake it up a little bit, I really have read so much about that after, because, you know, obviously Lori Laughlin ended up going to prison for a little bit, as did her husband, and Felicity Huffman did too. Like, they've, they're all done with their sentences, and we're moving on. But I've read so much about it since then. And the unfortunate part is, they, we look at them and we say, what entitled people those people are. Yet, they live They live in a culture where they thought that was normal. They thought that was like paying for a tutor for the SAT. Now, I'm not saying we need to feel sorry for them, but they really were like this guy, this guy who was selling this to them, who gave them these options, they knew other people who had used them. They thought this was like just as typical as – now – We can question that when someone's cutting and pasting your kid rowing when they've never rowed before. Like, I think there are lines here where we're like, okay, now you're getting, you know, this is not somebody else's fault. But it's interesting, depending on where we live, Mm -hmm. what we think we're owed. Mm -hmm. Because like, for example... If you are in a, like a, some of the Chicago public schools, not all, but when I used to work in the Chicago public schools with, um, you know, when I was a therapist and I would go in there and help with IEPs and stuff like that, there are certain schools that really couldn't help administer that IEP. They didn't have enough staff to do it. They really didn't have the the manpower or even the um, you know like the, enough social workers to like make these things happen and so sometimes you have kids in certain schools who aren't getting even if they're in a public school the what they need to mm-hmm. succeed and then when you're in maybe more of a wealthy community with you know kid you know there's more accessibility things like IEPs or things like getting your needs met we insist on it yeah. and we hire more staff and and you know we have more of a voice in that and again i'm not saying either is good or well i know what's good or bad like obviously we want all the kids in every area including chicago to have all their needs met but i think some parents are like it's never i'm never going to get my needs met like they don't feel entitled to it because they know it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas in certain communities, there's a sense of, "Of course, this should happen." Yeah. So I'm using that as an example of depending on where you live, your expectations are different. Yeah. So for sure. that and, can show
1: up as entitlement. Well, and we live in a nice suburb of the of Chicago, Chicago and then there are, you know, plenty of places that are much wealthier than our, mm-hmm. and plenty of pla- You know, if you're in this country. Even the poorest of the poor in this country is probably
0: more wealthy, more than wealthy others. than mm-hmm.
1: the average person in the world. Correct, because there's so many things that. Uh, but I just want to rattle off a few different sure. examples that I wrote down, and then you can go in any of the directions. Okay. Uh, apparently, there's some there. There's something on Instagram called the Rich Kids of Instagram. Like oh boy. I'm trying to think of things that would really get me going, like yeah. stir me up. Like that sounds like a channel I probably wouldn't want to spend much time in. I thought of. Um, I'll say in a heteronormative relationship, there's um, a culture where men think that if they take their uh, girlfriend out for dinner, uh, that they are owed certain yeah. things. Mm-hmm. That yeah. would be a sense of entitlement. Correct. Um, do we uh, do we feel like we deserve respect from younger people simply mm. because we're older?
0: Yeah, that's entitlement. That's entitlement, mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, airlines, like yeah. okay. <laughs> I need to get to my customer by three o'clock, but there's a four hour delay because there's a mechanical thing. It's really entitled for me to sit there and judge and complain when they're just trying to keep me safe. Correct. Okay. Um, so, anyways, those are a few of my examples that I came up with.
0: And the way I look at it is, I really use the common humanity piece with things like flights, because of course I want the flight to, and I get frustrated if it doesn't, you know, take off when it's supposed to, and I feel all the feelings everybody does. But it, when you think about common humanity, when you think about like everybody here needs to get somewhere, yeah, like when people are yelling at the ticket person saying, "I need to get here," and oh, I yeah. was told, and I'm like, "Hey, buddy, we were all told, mm-hmm. we all paid." For this ticket, we all expected to take, you know, so it's when we feel this like it's about me versus and there's nothing wrong with getting frustrated about it. That's human behavior. But when we start putting our anger on someone else saying I deserve to get somewhere, I don't care about all these other people. Yeah,
1: I feel like customer service, like I'm thinking of waiters and waitresses. Right airline, uh, you know, the people at the, at the little kiosk getting you to check into your plane. Right. Oh, like, what they have to deal with in a day. I can't Can you imagine Imagine because that's just like breeds entitlement. Right. And I also want to wave my hand. There's times, but usually even when I'm really kind of like mad or grumpy that I'm not going to get to where I want to go or the food comes out cold or whatever, you know, it's usually the person I'm talking to is not the, not person, the person that's responsible for it. Exactly. So you don't want to take it out on this other person mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with the mechanical thing on the plane or had nothing to do with my steak being cold.
0: So these are examples right here. These are real life examples that our children watch. Yeah. So they notice when we're driving, if we're calling everybody else on the road jerks, they notice how we treat waiters, waitresses, customer service, flight attendants, um, other people that we pass by they 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 are watching what we believe, and again it's very different like the this is where you know we kind of walk this balance beam of it's very different than believing that you should get what you paid for or whatever, like for example, if something happened, I could totally see Todd and I doing this like if something happened with a flight or it didn't take off on time or they, um, you know, canceled it all together and we had to figure things out. I could see us calling the airline when we got home and being like, we need some kind of refund for what just happened. Yeah. And, but it's it's less about entitlement, more about we didn't get from you, you can, what we said. You can
1: ask for a refund Correct. without being a jerk.
0: Correct. And same thing with, you know, when your food comes out colder, it's wrong. Um, you know, we were just at brunch yesterday and the our friend that we were with, his came out wrong. And at first he questioned it and then it became a thing. And he was like, you know what? This is fine. I, he's like, I'm actually fine with this. And I loved that. Yeah. I loved that. I and mean, it was...
1: beating it anyway. He's like,
0: yeah, this is good. You know, like at first he asked, like, is this really what I ordered? Like, it's okay to ask, to ask for what you need. But there's also a point where you're like, you know what?
1: This once, isn't that big of a deal. Once again, it's not what, it's how. Correct. From what energy are you trying to get your needs met? Yeah. And if you're just being, you're, you're trying to villainize the other, right. then that's not a good thing.
0: And I think with our kids, it's not just... so. The huge thing is, is our behavior in those situations. Like, how do we treat people? How do we respond to people? How do we talk about people? And then it's also having conversations about that. You don't have to be like, did you notice how I talked to... You you don't have to be so, like, teachy about it, but it is interesting in those situations to point out what you just said, where if you're with your kids and the waiter brings out something and it's it's wrong or they have to change it or it's cold, saying to the kids, you know what, I know it's not our waiter's fault that that happened. There's a lot going on and it may not be anyone's fault, but I just need to at least say this because, you know, I would like to have the food I want. But you like kind of temper the experience with your kids where you give them all sorts of viewpoints. And I think those things can be, I think those are the things that create a sense of compassion and understanding for other people, a wider lens.
1: I think we had a, a episode where we could, you and I both could have been entitled and I'll say it real quick. One of our kids is in speech and they get these critiques and the critique came back as if she did a very good job, but she got ranked like yeah, really last yeah. or whatever. Um, and I think you and I are both like, you know, whatever, whatever, fine. But there, <laughs> there was like a part in me like, no, no, no. she, there was a mistake here and I need my kid to be recognized properly. Right. Um, So I just think that that was an easy way for... Well, I
0: think that was an interesting discussion with her because... Mm -hmm. I don't think you, you may have thought that, but you didn't say anything like that. Like we don't need anything Correct. to change. This is just like one tournament's an experience. And I even think that's a, not that I would create that experience for her, but that's a good experience mm-hmm. for her. Something Sometimes things get mixed up. Like we were at Manish um, Chris's last night and I was saying that like one time in the you know park district, this is when I was like in third grade, I won the checkers competition and I was supposed to get a trophy. And then when it was time for the trophies the kid that I beat won the trophy. And I was like, this is very confusing. That's what I say. What was that kid's name? I don't even remember because it was all the schools together. Like I didn't know. I knew my school. But and I remember being like stunned because I had been told, oh, you won, you know. And then I don't remember if I talked to my parents about it or whatever, but I kind of felt like there was maybe this is now my adult perspective. I don't know if I felt this way in third grade, but I understood there was probably something like it, it sometimes things can get. Dropped or right.
1: well, information
0: doesn't get passed along. Like there's, there, and that it, it doesn't always feel fair, but yeah. it's an interesting experience to have.
1: That's where I was going. Yeah. The idea of fairness. Yeah. And there are times when we are treated unfairly. Correct. And does that mean we have to kind of roll over and just take it and say, well, that's just the way it is? Maybe sometimes. And then there are other times where you can stand up and try to get your needs met. Yeah. But it depends on how you go about getting those needs met.
0: Yeah, and and you and there's boundaries around it. You yeah. know, like we have our own boundaries about no one's going to treat me that way. That's important, but there's also boundaries around if I push this too far. Yeah. This could become an issue my kid may, you know, have to deal with the repercussions of this or I may lose my job. Like we have to have this this lens about understanding the gray area here. Things are not black and white. It's not either right or wrong. It's like there are things so the place i want to go with this cuz this is kind of the where i think we really have to understand with our kids cuz all those things you and i just talked about were more like role modeling sure. situations is the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic extrinsic motivation because i think a lot of times we don't realize what we're teaching when we're teaching it and in no you know there's no need to feel guilt about it it's just kind of this awareness we can have where if we – when our kids are little, if we are like, no, I'm going to dress you and I need to make your hair look great or, you know, you have to act this way or you need to look a certain way and we're, we're somewhat demanding about that and then we send them out in the world, we are teaching them that the external is more important, because the kid may say, well, this dress isn't comfortable, or these shoes aren't, aren't right, or this doesn't feel like me, or I would never wear this. And we're like, no, 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 you have to look this way. Yeah. So we are teaching them extrinsic feedback is more important than intrinsic, that we're more interested in, in the appearance than what
1: we're feeling. Would you think that grades, like literally the letter grade that they get at the end of a semester... Mm-hmm. I would even and tell and you may be like, no, it's it's really not where we're going. I even think that's extrinsic. Really, the intrinsic motivation and you might some people might be like, you know, rolling their eyes is, what are you learning in this class? Sure. And I feel like if you are most concerned and you know, I went through school, I just wanted to get good grades, so I'm not like preaching, but really, the intrinsic motivation comes from wanting to learn whatever's in that subject and not getting the A or the B or the C or the D or the F.
0: Well, I think it's really important in conversations with our kids about this, because if we focus on all A's and we don't have a lot of conversations, it's just the expectation, then that means our kids are going to do everything they can to get an A. And what I mean by that is those choices may not always Join the Circle, which is the Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks. We also have small groups that focus on finance, raising healthy sons, differently wired families, and I have an exclusive women's group. This is only $25 a month, and you can cancel at any time. Our motto is Zero Pressure, 100% Support.
1: 30 years ago, the greatest threats to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today, it's anxiety, depression, suicide, self harm, cyberbullying, eating disorders, screen time, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our own. So let's get together and talk about it. We owe it to them to listen. ZPR 2024. It's a two-day in-person live event on January 26th and 27th in Oak Brook, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Go to ZenParentingRadio.com and get your tickets now.
0: Okay, everybody, there's three things you can do for us. If you haven't already, follow this podcast. That's good for you because you don't have to go looking for the show, and it's good for us because it helps people find us. You can subscribe to my Zen Parenting Moment newsletter, which comes out every Friday. It's just some information for you to make you feel better about your day and about your parenting overall. And then three, if you like this podcast, you will love Zen Parenting the book. I put together everything that we talk about on this show, all the essential points, all the things that people ask us about in one place. You can find Zen Parenting, the book, anywhere books are sold. We don't have a lot of conversations. It's just the expectation. Then that means our kids are going to do everything they can to get an A. And what I mean by that is those choices may not always be good. They may cheat. They Mm -hmm. may lie about things. They may... Because their goal is not what's going on inside them. It's the end result. Mm -hmm. They're like, I have to get an A versus more of a growth mindset. You know, Carol Dweck's, you know, growth mindset idea, which is the whole goal of learning is what you just said. What am I learning about? How is this teaching me how to study? Like what I see, um, what I've experienced with my own children is sometimes they do get a bad grade on a test and then they have then they're forced to figure something new out. like how do I study this different or how do I ask for help or or what am I what am I learning in this process like what or what should I not be doing? you know like it's very different to study for an essay test than it is a multiple choice test, you know that kind of thing. And so the whole idea of getting like a lower grade is actually a helpful is helpful information to them. It, it pushes them in the right direction. but if they're if they are afraid, of getting that grade. If they're fearful of it, then they're not in growth mindset. They just want an absolute, you know, they, they just, they don't want to share with you where what they're experiencing. They just want to show you a final grade.
1: Can I give you an example? I actually looked up in my notes because I learned about Carol Dweck's work through The Gift of Failure by Jess mm-hmm. Leahy. Mm-hmm. And um, in that book, um, there's this thing where they gave a bunch of kids uh, a test. Mm-hmm. And they separated, they all got about an 80% on it. And one half of the kids who got an 80%, they said, "Uh, wow, 80%, that's a really good score. You must be really smart at this. Right. And then the intrinsic motivation, the thing, so in other words, if there's parents like, okay, great, Todd and Kathy, how do we do this? You want to appreciate the effort. So instead of saying Mm -hmm. you got a good grade, you say, wow, you got eight right. That's a really good score. You must have worked really hard. Yeah. And you're like, well, what's the difference? And as, as far as I can tell, Carol Dweck is saying that's, that's all of the difference. Praising the outcome is going to create extrinsic motivation. Praising the work that you put into it is what creates the intrinsic motivation.
0: Correct. And the intrinsic motivation where you're not then having to deal with shame and fear and you also feel like you can take more risks and try more things and trust yourself and trust your gut. Like it gives you yourself back Mm -hmm. because kids who are very focused on extrinsic, they're not concerned about, they're less concerned about what's going on inside of them and they're more concerned about what they look like. So for example... A lot of stuff, and again, this goes in a lot of different directions. Um, but we're very focused on our kids wanting things. Like they know all the brand names. They do the OOTD. They do the gr um, I know I what you're talking about right now, by the way. <laughs> the OOTD is outfit of the day, oh, okay. and so people, Thank you. so influencers, will stand in front of their camera and they'll say. These earrings are Chanel. This skirt is Revolver. These shoes are Golden Goose. These, you know, uh, bracelets are Hermes. Yeah. And they know all these brands and they're choosing these brands. And occasionally they'll be like, oh, and this necklace is Amazon, you know, but they throw it in kind of as like, aren't I quirky? I have an Amazon necklace, you know. Um, So they... So they're saying all these brands, and so our kids know what these brands are. Now, I think our generation kind of did too because we were watching TV and advertising and pop culture was big, but let's quadruple that Mm -hmm. for this generation. So sometimes when we look at our kids, we're like, oh, my God, how do they know all these brands? Because they're getting bombarded with it every day. Like, we can't blame them for what they're seeing and what the culture is sending to them. What we can talk about, though, is the reality of those experiences, like, if you get these shoes, will you feel like a different person? Will it actually create a sense of belonging? Because again, fitting in and belonging are two different things. And But if we've been teaching our kids all along that the way they look is the most important thing, then of course they're going to want the things that make them look a certain way. Like we, we have to put these pieces together where we're like, oh, you know, or if we are like, I will only buy a dress if it's this kind, or I will only, you know spend money on something, I will only have this huge ring. You know, like if we are if we are living that way, I don't know why we're so surprised that our kids think that's cool too. Like it's like we want them to be different yeah. than than we're what we're showing them. And again, kids don't learn by listening to what we say. They learn by watching how we live. And especially if we start putting a lot of our own internalized shame about it on them. Like why would you like that so much when actually we do too? Right, you
1: know. Well, um, and that's the ownership. Like we got to own our own sense of entitlement. Or um, I just want to like quickly just build on that Carol Dweck example because I'm looking okay. at my notes from however long ago. Okay. So the next day, so you have bucket A, the kids who were praised for the grade. Uh-huh. Bucket B, the kids who were praised for the effort. Okay. The next day, they gave them more challenging questions. Okay, so they made it the, the test a little bit harder. The kids who were praised for the grade did the same or a bit worse. The kids who were praised for their effort, they actually did better. Right. Um, there was an opportunity to do challenge questions at the end, like extra credit challenge questions. Uh-huh. The kids who were um, praised for the grade, they chose not to do the challenge questions, and the ones who were praised for the effort did. And then they were supposed to like write... Um, write feedback to other students taking the test and what they got on the test. And the kids who were praised for their grade uh, lied about their test mm-hmm. score. And the ones who were praised for the effort told the truth. Yeah. So Totally makes sense to me. it's just yet another kind of concrete research-based example mm-hmm. of praise the effort, not the outcome.
0: Yeah. and And it makes more sense as far as our mental health. You know what I mean? Because we aren't going to get all A's on everything all the time I know there are some kids who excel at a certain level and things are easier for them I get that but that's not everybody that's not the average kid you know Um, and we have to recognize that the whole goal is when you struggle then what do you do when you get a C or a D then what do you do it's less about get A's and hit this linear path where you're never not succeeding that's 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 not realistic that's not real life um And I also think one of the most important things, one of the things I really focused on last week with the women I was talking to was when our kids want, because I'm going to go back to things, I'm taking it off grades for a second. When our kids want things like a new, um, you know, a certain Lululemon pants or certain shoes or whatever it may be, I know we want to make them feel bad about it. Like it's like we think that's somehow going to make them not want it as much, but really all we're doing is again, creating shame. We're saying, what's wrong with you? Why would you like that? When really their whole their whole culture is showing them this and all of the people that they follow on social media and everybody they watch on TV are wearing these things. So what we can do is understand. It's kind of like we've talked about this before with music. Like you may not get the music they're listening to, but you could l- listen to it and do your best to understand and ask questions. It's the same as, and I'm saying, put this in air quotes, the stuff they want, Learn about it. Now you don't need to buy it. See, we always think if we like actually ask questions, then we're
1: like agreeing. Then we're all in, and then we we succumb to anything they want.
0: Correct. Versus actually becoming curious, then they know they can talk to you about it, and then their ears are more open to your thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But if you jump in just with your thoughts of like you shouldn't like that, or what's wrong with your, uh, you know, what's wrong with you, or don't you know that I work so hard for this money? You know what? They don't. Kids who are especially much younger, like middle school, they don't understand bill paying and all those things. Like we have this adult lens on kids where we'll be like, don't they see how I get up early every morning and go to work and we barely have it? They don't understand that.
1: Well, we were just talking about this at breakfast yesterday, how like, you know, our 16-year-old is driving a car to school. Right. And how I didn't get a car until I was like 26. Right. Right. And there's a part of me that wants to lecture, share Mm -hmm. how hard it was for me because I had to borrow a car or whatever. And the bottom line is our our kids, my kids, they don't care.
0: Well, and here's the thing. You can still share that story, but not with a tone of shame. It's okay for you to say, because again, it's not her car. It's Mm -hmm. our car that she's driving to school, Right. right? And so she knows that. And she also knows that, you know, it's a privilege to have a car to drive to school. And she had, we have a friend who lives over by the school so she can park. Like, these are, like, big deals, right? And for you to say it's unbelievable that you can do this because when I was in high school – I didn't have a car, and and it would have been made life a lot easier. You know, you can relate. Yeah. Without because shaming would be like, well, I didn't get a car, yeah. and and so then they're kind of like, what do they do with that? Yeah,
1: they just tune out. It's a,
0: it. Well, not only do they tune out, but it's like a burden to them. Yeah. And again, you can't. Maybe they don't have a car; they can drive to school, and they need to understand that too. Mm-hmm. Like they that. Some kids do have car, you know, like that's the thing is like we can talk about all the things that our kids have been privileged enough to have. And I can also give you a list of things that our kids have not been able to have. And I think every family can do that. Right. And the conversation about why they can't have it is important, too. It's less about I'm going to teach you a lesson, which feels inauthentic, and more about this is how much we have budgeted, or you can choose one of these three things, or put that on your birthday list. And you know, I have certain family members, maybe other people have this too, that are willing to buy bigger gifts, yeah. right? And Todd and I went, I don't know, like maybe 15 years with each of our kids without getting them any gifts at Christmas or birthday, because other people were giving them so many you know, family members that they were, there was no need, like- They didn't need more stuff. We were doing the party and, you know, they, like we, we were celebrating with them, but they didn't need another thing from us. I think now that they're older and they're not getting gifts from other people because they're older, now you and I are a little more like, what's a specialty item that you want? You know, what one thing do you want for your birthday kind of thing? But those are things that we- you know, like we have – we we need to know in our family our, our own boundaries around why we do what we do. Because one of the moms uh, last week pointed out to me, she's like, I think since COVID, since kids really struggled during COVID and that parents felt a little more uh, like they need – that they didn't know what was going on with their kid or they were struggling with mental health issues or they were struggling to get back in school, the parents did start buying more for their kids. This is sure. This was her perspective. And she feels like we haven't quite – Cycled out of that yet. Yeah. So kids are showing up at school with five hundred dollars shoes, and it's the parents' way of being like, "I see you, I see you." Well,
1: and that's interesting because um, most. So there, I'm recalling back to when I read this book, and there was the controlling parents, uh-huh. which are the ones that praise the grade and not the effort, and then they're called autonomy autonomy supportive parents, uh-huh. which is the more intrinsic building. Um, I'm just going to read a few of the control, what the behaviors of the controlling parents, and just know that they're done through a sense of love, mm-hmm. right? So like, it's not like judging if you find yourself doing any of these things because you're doing the best you can with what you have. But first, one is controlling parents give lots of unsolicited advice and direction. Mm-hmm. You agree with that?
0: unsolicited, unsolicited
1: yes. advice and direction. Controlling parents take over. You know, they say, "I'll do it." Yeah, you go play. You know, when they have to get to school, I'll just do it myself when I get home. No. So, um, number three, controlling parents offer extrinsic motivators in exchange for behaviors,
0: money for grades, um, you know, gifts for showing up at something, you know, mm. if you, if you go to grandpa's, I'll buy you something, you know, that kind of stuff where we, instead of talking to them about why we show up for people or why we stay connected to family or you know, having a growth mindset when it comes to grades, we just do the external, which is do it and
1: I'll give you a present. Yep. Controlling parents provide solutions or the correct answer before the child has had a chance to really struggle. That's that's tough That's sometimes hard, yeah. to let them struggle. And it depends on what the size or the nature of yeah. the struggle is, mm-hmm. right? Controlling parents don't let children make their own decisions.
0: Yeah. So like one of the stories, you know, I told last week, and this is a small one, you know, but it's just an easy example, is like um, one of my daughter's, for about a year and a half, wore her coat backwards wherever she went. Um, You know, we've talked about this before. She just put her coat on backwards. She would put her arms in, and then the coat would be in, in the front, like the, you know, the hood would be over her face sometimes. And... There, and that's a really simple one, but I think a lot of parents would be like, It's on wrong, turn it around, you know, like that's not okay, or what are people gonna think? Or we get very focused on how we will be perceived as parents. When really, she really enjoyed it that way, it made her feel warm, it made her feel comfortable, and then she could cover her face when she wanted to. This is when she was little, and we just didn't get involved in it, like it didn't seem like a thing that need we needed to worry about. I thought
1: it was kind of hilarious.
0: And then she eventually didn't want to do that. Like that shift, the thing that we have to remember, for those of you listening who have little kids, they do all these things. And then they start to, when it can be 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, they start to get more child developmentally appropriately involved in what their peers think, and they do start to dress similarly. And it's funny because we sometimes don't support our kids in either way. Like our kids will be, we we'll want them to dress a certain way or control what they wear. Or like we give them all this feedback about what looks good on them or what doesn't. And then all of a sudden they get into middle school and they want certain clothes that their friends have. And we're like, why do you want to dress like your friends Yeah. when really you've been telling them to assimilate?
1: It's this whole balance between we want our kids to conform and then yes. we want them to be independent right. and creative, but then we want them to conform over here, but then right. we want them to be independent and make their own mark and it's really confusing and it's all our baggage.
0: Well, one thing that I write about with girls is that, the, and, and this is really interesting in the adolescent years, is that the two things that they want the most is to blend in and to stand out, mm. which are completely paradoxical, right? Like you, how do you do both of those things? And they're trying to figure out a way to like, you know, there's things you may see your kid do, like they wear the... You know, I kind of call it the adolescent uniform where they have the yoga pants and then the half shirt and then like a, you know, a, like a. What is it called? Like a flannel shirt over it. You know, like there's certain outfits that all the girls wear, but then maybe they'll try a certain pair of earrings or they'll have different colored shoes. They'll like try and do a little thing. They're like, how do I fit in? But then how do I have, or maybe they'll color their hair or do something different. Well,
1: and just like, uh, understand why we as human beings want to conform. We We want to find a tribe that we can feel safe around. Yeah. And it makes, and we all, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm guessing we all had that sense of conformity. I think it becomes easier to step out as you get older, don't you think? Oh,
0: for sure. It, unless you've never become really conscious of it, or unless it's been driven into you. Because I definitely know women who still are like, you can't go out without lipstick on or, you know, you can't go to this, you can't go to school unless you're showered wearing a dress or you can't, there's, there are certain people who really have this ingrained
1: sense of you have to look a certain way to go out in the world. Well, here's my example. I'm going to Scottsdale, Arizona with my friends in about a month. And Mm -hmm. this is the group of friends that like to just play games and drink beer. Sure. I love playing games. I love drinking beer. I used to be really scared of going home early, as you know, very well, sweetie. And now if or when they're like, okay, it's midnight and let's keep going to the next bar until two, I'm like, bye guys. And I might, I might want to go out till two, but my guess is I'll probably want to go to bed around midnight. It's just so much easier for me to disappoint my friends because it's simply not, worth it
0: well let's dive into that yeah. so when you didn't go home before which I was a big part of because yes. I was always like can we be done yes. um and how to be like no I gotta stay I can't be the first one to go home what is that w- why like and and I don't mean give me something surfacy like you think what if you go
1: home I'm gonna miss out on the fun there's
0: and then and then what
1: uh if I miss out on the fun then they won't want to hang around with me
0: yeah. I mean, and that's, you kind of jump to that quickly, but that is really the thing is we think that we have to be a certain way to get the approval yeah. of other people. And to, we feel like we have to do some kind of tap dance to get love. Yeah, That if we go home early, the thing that now I talk to my girls about this all the time, they do sometimes stay out late and they do sometimes go home early. And the thing that they'll say is they do have FOMO because like pictures will be posted that they're not Mm -hmm. in, or they'll be like all these funny, you know, personal inside jokes came up when I was gone. And now I don't know those inside jokes. We as parents can relate to that. Like when my girls have told me those things, I'm like, Oh, I know it's so annoying. You like leave. And then everything happens after that. Right. And we can relate to their experience without saying, well, next time, stay out the whole time, or you missed it or, or saying they shouldn't do that to you, like. All we have to do is relate yeah. and then our girls or our boys do not feel alone in this experience. They they understand that the experience they're having is a common humanity experience and that they can share it with us and we're not shoving it back in their faces as like a- They're doing it wrong. Yeah, they're doing it wrong. Yeah. You know, or they should be doing it better when they're watching us not do it better, sure. I think that's where I mean, just talking about kids and teens, I think the things I, if I can really tell parents why they get so annoyed at you, like why do kids and teens get so mad at their parents because of hypocrisy? Yes, that's what they do not like. they see it, they get it, and they are like Ugh, like gross yeah they I mean that's really what they say all the time is if they have a parent who cannot relate and they see that their parent is doing something that they're being told not to do, or if they have a parent who is pretend around people like, oh, everything's great. And then they get home and they're totally grumpy and mean to everybody. They see this hypocrisy and it drives them crazy. So parents listening might say, well, then what do I do? You own things. You take responsibility for them. You even say, wow, I really had to be kind of Fake with that person because yeah. Yeah. I work with them and I had to kind of act like I'm feeling really good, but really, you know, I'm really tired. Yeah. Like you own, or if you do something wrong, you apologize. Mm-hmm. If you misperceived something, you say, sorry, I misperceived that. I was wrong about that. It's our unwillingness to take responsibility and accountability for our own behavior that pushes our kids away from us because yeah. it grosses them out. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Um. Let's see. I think that... The last thing I would say, because this I'm saying this because two parents asked this question, they talked about how do I get my kid to be more involved in the home? Because they the parents were like, they seem entitled that I'm supposed to do their laundry. I'm supposed to clean the house and they don't contribute in any way. Totally understand this. I think this all parents go through this. I think that we have to recognize that like the the woman who asked me this question, she said, you know, I'm teaching my kid who's 10 how to do laundry. And he keeps saying to me, why am I doing my laundry? You've always done my laundry. And she was kind of annoyed, right? She's like, well, it's time to learn. But isn't that a valid point? Like from the kid, you've always done my laundry. Why am I doing it now? When
1: did we renegotiate this agreement?
0: Correct. So you can then talk to them about why you're renegotiating instead of being pissed or thinking your kid's entitled. No. They haven't had enough life experience to understand all this yet. There's
1: no reason for them to think otherwise until you have a conversation with them.
0: Exactly. And be really careful of your tone when you do it because you don't want to be like, well, because... I think it's time that you get your act together. Like you don't need to come at them strong. You say, good question. Mm. I have been doing your laundry up to this point. Now I notice that you are a responsible kid. And I realize that there's a lot of things that you can do on your own that now you can be a part of this and take care of your own stuff. And, and I see this in you and the kid may be like, I don't want to. And you're like, I get it. It'll Mm -hmm. take time. It takes time for kids to learn new behaviors.
1: Well, that's the thing we've talked about this. We have a, I went through this this time when I made sure that our kids were making their own lunches. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a good one. So they... Because I don't want kids thinking that they don't have to make their own lunches before school or whatever.
0: And that was your take. Yeah. My take and what I would say to them is it makes more sense for you to make your own lunch because you know what you want. Mm-hmm. You know how much cheese you want on your sandwich. You know... And so... I always kind of talk to them about not the, you need to make your own lunch because I'm not going to do it for you, and more about why this makes sense, Mm -hmm. because I feel like that sits better with them.
1: Well, for sure. And I just need to own, mine is, I was afraid of us raising spoiled little brats. Okay. So it was, okay, you're going to start making your own lunch. And then once they did that for a while, they're like, you know, it's morning suck for a kid, (laughs) right? Right. And now we're, and even when our, our, we have two out of, out of high school, but we would make their lunches for them in high school because it's something, it was like a deposit in the morning so that we could do it. So, but I needed for my own sense of self to, to make sure that I, that these kids had the ability and the discipline and the work ethic to do it. Once I saw that, then I'm like, okay, now you Kathy convinced me to be like, can we just help them out a little bit? Jeez.
0: Well, and again, nothing exists ex- exists in a vacuum. It's not like you either make your lunch or you don't. There's all sorts of pieces here. When the girls were little, all they had to do was get up, put on clothes, put on shoes, and then make their lunch and go. When your kids get into middle school and high school, there are all sorts of things they're doing in the morning sometimes that are different. You know what I mean? Like there's a little more sometimes difficulty because of their age getting up, yeah. you know, so they're not getting up as you know bright and shiny as they did when they were little. And sometimes they're like getting something done or sometimes they're like texting with someone who's picking them up. And they're, they have a little more work, I'm putting this in air quotes, work to do in the morning. And I see them doing all these things and my ability to recognize that and say, well let me help you with this part then. It makes sense. Me, I'm be, not doing it to coddle. It yeah. makes sense.
1: And I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. Devil's advocate, just okay. for fun. They're gonna be like, you know, I'm thinking like a dad's like yeah, but they got to figure out how to do their stuff the night before, so they're not doing it in the morning. Sure, you know what I mean. Well, because there were days when I didn't do it for them, yeah, because I was
0: out the door or something was going on with another kid, and right. or I was traveling. So they do know how to make their lunch, yeah, and and they also know that they can buy a piece of pizza at school if yeah. their lunch isn't made. Like we have a we have plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D, yeah. right? I just want to make sure they eat, and I think that. I think it's. I think another thing we're teaching our children is how to help other people. And there is a difference between I am going to do everything for you and be a helicopter parent and let me help you get out the door in the morning. Mm. I think those are two very different things yeah. because I see my kids setting their own alarm, getting up, they're getting dressed on their own, they're doing their own homework, they're figuring out their own ride, they're figuring out their after school activities. So I can make your lunch today. I, that's... I just kind of view things in a very common sense way. And and not and to your point, Todd, part of the reason I was able to do that is because they went through such a long period of time where they were doing it on their own. Yeah. So I wasn't concerned anymore, are they capable of it? Right. I'm with you, babe. So I think that um what we have to recognize with our kids is sometimes when we get frustrated that they're not doing something, we want to quickly label it entitlement. And while you, someone listening may bring me an example where I'm like, okay, that is some entitlement, right? We need to talk to them about that. I think a lot of it is them learning new skills. And we have to be somewhat patient and understanding, A, of why they want what they want and the culture they live in, okay, and not believe they should be like us as 80s kids. Like we didn't, we're having two Completely different experiences. If Todd and I haven't hammered that home enough, where they're not supposed to be like us, they're yeah. different. So we have to A, realize that, that we're having different experiences, and B, we have to talk about these things without shaming them we, and not rolling our eyes and saying, oh, your generation, because you are disconnecting immediately from them if you do that because they're not going to tell you things.
1: Connection is food. It is. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I just wrote some notes from the podcast that we just – that we are recording right now. Intrinsic, extrinsic motivation. We talked about grades, controlling parents, conformity. Growth mindset. Growth mindset. Why our kids get annoyed at us. Um, so Compassion. Compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, lunch making, household chores. Mm-hmm. So hopefully uh, you got some some good stuff out of that. Um, I do want to thank Jeremy Kraft. He's one of our, he is our sponsor from the very beginning.
0: Can you believe that? He's 13 a, years. He's
1: a bald headed beauty. And he does painting, remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Um Oh, there's Jim. This is the yeah.
0: end. Is this how we end shows now?
1: Until you come up with another song, babe.
0: Oh, I. It was supposed to be my turn.
1: Yeah. Well, you, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna okay. S- I've got
0: one for you. Oh, well, well, turn off Jim. It's got to be for next
1: week. Are you sure? No. Go ahead. What is? And while I'm pulling it up, I just want to say, Jeremy's. uh He's painting and remodeling. Uh, avidco.net 630 956 If you need any work done in the Chicago area, give me a call. Uh, okay. All right. I see how it is. This is
0: the one I thought of last week. I was like, oh, that's a good end.
1: All right. Here we go, babe. This one's for you. Semi sonic. It's pretty good. It's not as good as the doors, though. Closing. Time, open all the doors and let
0: you out into the world It's a little more optimistic than This is the End Take Talks it easy
1: time, <laughs> um, turn Have a good week, everybody time over buy, uh, buy a ticket for the conference, join Team Zen Yeah I want to get to the chorus okay. One last call for alcohol So finish your whiskey or beer Closing time. You don't have to go home but you, you can't stay. stay here. I know who I want to take me home. I know
0: who. I want hey everybody, we're thrilled to announce that the Zen Parenting Conference is back, live and in person in
1: 2024. This year, our exclusive event will be centered around teens. Why? Because 30 years ago, the greatest threats to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today, it's currently anxiety, depression, suicide, self harm, cyberbullying, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience
0: is vastly different than our own. So let's get together and talk about it. We owe it to them to listen, to have honest conversations, and to live our way through it
1: together. If you're currently parenting a teenager or have an emerging teen, this is an event you absolutely won't want to miss. We have limited seating this year, so secure your spot now. Go to zenparentingradio.com.
0: If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us.
1: You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.